the way we consume and share news today, it is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. From the hottest issues to trends for our daily social media minute, we're joined by Yerika. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome back. Yeah, thank you. It's good <laughs> to be back. So I'm assuming you did not have time over the weekend to get all caught up with the second part of The Glory. Um, actually, I've seen clippets, snippets of it on, uh, on, on YouTube. You know, I, I normally do not rush to watch yeah. anything because it'll always be there. But because I knew it'd be written with spoilers online, I did watch it. The, the incredible thing is we're living in a day and age where um, an entire series mm-hmm. is re- a new season of yeah. a popular se- series is released on, on Netflix. And uh, some diehard fans, like five hours later... The entire summary mm. of sec- uh, season two was already up on YouTube. It's like a different level yeah. of commitment and, and fandom, perhaps. And there is clearly a lot of buzz with that release of second mm. part of The Glory. Now, it's most unfortunate because the the major theme of the TV series is about school bullying yeah. and what it does to the victims, not just you know, over the first, the first few years. It's a lifelong trauma. A lifelong trauma, you're right. So it is most unfortunate that the director of this series, who, who helmed the creation of this project that got the conversation reignited, has been accused of school bullying. Yeah. This is like the worst narrative. I think so, too. And I think initially that's why the director denied that this ever happened. Yes, because, um, yeah, anyways, let's talk about the story. Okay, okay. Um, The the producer of this super popular show, Mm. uh, Angiro, has admitted to physically assaulting students at a neighboring middle school as a high school student. This was in the Philippines. And uh, he's also apologized to the victims in a statement uh, through his attorney Mm. uh, yesterday. Now, according to the statement released by his law firm, uh, An physically assaulted middle schoolers when he was 17 years old while studying abroad in the Philippines. This was back in 1996. Not to condone his behavior, but Mm. he tried to explain what had happened. But his admission is also 100 an 80 turnaround from his previous statement on Saturday, just a day yeah. before. Let's hear his side of the story, too, though. Yes. Yeah, so according to the statement, what happened was uh, all those years ago, uh, mm. he heard that his girlfriend, who was a few years younger than he was, okay. was teased by a group of her own friends, actually, at her okay. school. Uh, and he got upset. Uh, he went to that school. They went to different schools and he physically assaulted the kids who was responsible for the teasing. Okay, depending on how you spin that story, you can have an entirely different perspective. Emotions got the better of him. He was also young, but we can't just pass on physical violence as youthful indiscretion. That's right. Now, even his ex-girlfriend has spoken up about what happened. Uh, She even said that the teasing was more playful than Ah, hurtful. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, An said he wants to sincerely apologize from the bottom of his heart and that he would like to meet with the victim in person Mm. or even communicate through, you know, a phone call to convey his deepest apologies. Okay, but how this story surfaced is also most unfortunate. On Saturday, Ayn had initially denied all accusations of being a school violence perpetrator when news reports came out on Friday following an anonymous post online. This is how these stories break these days. Exactly. You know, um, after local news outlets reported the story Mm. Uh, people on social media commented, oh, how ironic Mm. to see a school violence perpetrator make a series on school bullying and for that show to become immensely Mm. successful, Mm. right? Mm. It it has 
completely reignited, I think, a conversation of school bullying and how to root it out. And, and, and like you said, what kind of life trauma it causes yes. for the victims and how if the perpetrators are just out in the open mm. and becoming public figures, it yeah. becomes even more damaging. For exactly. The Again, I do not condone any sort of physical violence, right, right. no matter what happened. And I'm just curious about what people the, the general yeah, public think yeah. about this and I've been reading a lot of threads uh, on social media and uh, many people say well the victim was a perpetrator too in the first place if they mm. teased An's ex-girlfriend but mm. you know based on what An's girlfriend said mm. the, the, the teasing wasn't that serious so mm. yeah it's tough right yeah. and again this is it doesn't help that it's more than a decade ago and again we're not trying to condone mm. I think the physical violence aspect of it but trying to better understand yeah. what happened years ago right I, I'm also really careful about just canceling things altogether Correct. we we do kind of tend to garner support yeah. to cancel things mm. uh, however let's hear it out and I, I'm hoping that that, uh, that apology is as promised extended and very sincere too that's the least he can do mm. at this point uh, the second part of the glory uh, it it's it's a lot to take into. Mm, yeah. <laughs> just, I noticed. Just to put it out there, guys. Yep. All right, let's move on to our mm. second buzzword of the day. 200 dogs rescued from slaughter, apparently in a win-win program with farm owners. I mean, initially they had had difficulty trying to maybe find a proper home, yep. uh, um, proper owners. Mm, that's right. So there was a dog farm in Asan in uh, Chungcheong Namdo province, which is around 100 kilometers from mm. Seoul. Uh, this is the site uh, of... Uh, uh, where 200 dogs um, were living in extreme squalor, really, really bad conditions. Dire actually. conditions doesn't even cut it. I mean, yeah. it, they're so crowded in these cages and it's cold in the winter. It's hot in the summer. It's yeah. not very hygienic either. It's, right? it's completely unhygienic. Um, and the dog farm has become the 18th such facility to be closed down by an international animal advocacy group uh, that basically campaigns to end the dog meat trade in several countries uh, in Asia, including South Korea, India, China, and Vietnam. Okay. Now, the large-scale rescue operation in Asan was joined by staff members from the United States, UK, India, Mexico, and Costa Rica. And uh, in the past few months, the these activists had conducted health checkups, mm. vaccinations on these dogs, basically preparing them to fly them to North America in search of their forever family. I actually know someone who adopted one of these puppies. Uh, really? Yeah. And it's, it's quite a story and it's mm. a strenuous process. I mean, it's not easy. It's very costly. So it's not really, it takes time to unfortunately find 200 dogs, yeah. another forever home, as you've said. I do wonder what kind of dogs are are they? And yeah, of course, you're talking about someone's livelihood too, right? That's that right. always comes into question. Always. Now, most of these dogs are Tosa dogs. Okay. Um, they're one of the most commonly traded breeds mm. in the dog meat market because apparently they go very, very quickly in mm. size. Now, many would also imagine, like you said, that shutting down a dog farm, it would involve conflicts yeah. with farm owners, you know, because that's their livelihood. Mm. But uh, that was not the case for the Models for Change program launched by this organization, HSI, back in 2015. 
mean? Okay, so something that this animal advocacy group is yeah. doing is a little bit different. That's and if right. it's working, maybe there is a page we can learn from. Yeah, so they've created this model, right? Okay. Uh, what they do is they sign individual contracts mm. with farm owners. Um, and the, the NGO offers financial support mm. in return for closing down these facilities and giving up the dogs for adoption. And uh, this helps the proprietors mm. transition to a new profession unrelated to animals, such as farming, like cabbage farming. So this is much more realistic instead of just uh, kind of... saying this is wrong and taking away their business idea and just saying this is not right. And even if they agree, what will they do next? Exactly. So through this program, um, the the NGO has sent abroad 2,700 dogs, helped almost 20 farmers transition to a new career. Mm. Um, And uh, the farmers have been actually very cooperative uh, throughout this entire process. Mm. And, uh, you know... um, uh, this one one farmer, the, the owner of this farm that ha- was Had that were yeah down. exactly yeah. Uh, said uh, he will now farm cabbage for the rest of his life, and he was quite happy actually, and he's happy for the dogs as well. Okay, yeah. So for us to just put all of these dog farmers in mm. one one big monolithic group and say they're all cruel would be misguided, right? Yes. Um, you just need to figure out then how do they get to the next step? Of yes. Their- yeah, lives, I suppose. Right, exactly. So instead of saying you shut down all your business operations, yeah, yeah. you know, they're trying to like slowly phase out right, right. Um, the, the meat trade, dog meat trade in Korea uh, in a more sustainable way. I think so yeah. too. You know, as for the, the journeys these dogs go on, it is intense. Yeah. And during the height of the pandemic, it was rather difficult mm-hmm. to just send dogs like they were doing uh, previously before the pandemic. Yeah. But things are apparently operating at pre-pandemic levels yes. and everything is on course. Cabbage farming sounds great. Yep. You, can you imagine how much cabbage we eat <laughs> with kimchi love? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, on to our final story of the day. Hamburg Parade held in Sao Paulo, really? Yeah. <laughs> to celebrate appearing 60 years of Korean immigration to the country. That's right. So a large-scale Hamburg Parade was held uh, on Paulista Boulevard, which is like smack in the center of the city, Sao Paulo, Brazil's largest city. Um, the Korean Culture Center in Sao Paulo and the Brazilian Culture and Arts Association said that they had planned and hosted this event to commemorate the 60th anniversary of Korean immigration to Brazil. We're streaming an image right now. Oh! Yes, um, locals and Koreans are wearing very <laughs> colorful hanbok. So eye-catching, our own traditional costume. I know, right? Yeah. And against the concrete jungle, right. it kind of stands out. How do they have access to, <laughs> I mean, come on, those are like wedding ceremony Yeah, uh, all hanbok. different kinds of, or styles the gatekeepers. of gatekeepers. You get the you get the yeah. whole works. It's a lot of people, too. Yeah, I know. So the organizers selected 103 volunteers um, out of hundreds of Koreans and Brazilians who applied in advance. Uh, you know, as you can see, and like you said, participants wore hanbok in various styles mm. and they paraded. They walked around uh, for about an hour mm. on this uh, two kilometer stretch, uh, you know, boulevard. I, these events would be incomplete without the fan dance. Yeah. And uh, look <laughs> at all the the 
the bystanders and admirers taking photos. They're looking at uh, this... uh, this group of yeah. fan dancers wearing pink. Yeah. You said 103 volunteers yeah. <laughs> were chosen. That's a really specific number. That's right. So the number 103 represents the number of uh, Korean immigrants, the first to arrive Whoa. in Santos, Brazil, back in 1963 aboard the Dutch ship. <sighs> Chicharenka. So that's that's what yep. the 103 stands for. I mean, it was not just traditional dances. Apparently, there are a host of other performances. Of course, there has to be K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, fan dance performances and other mm. bunch of cultural events are being mm. held in Brazil to mark the 60th anniversary. And uh, these cultural events will continue until the end of next year. I'm a little desensitized because we're seeing more and more of these events. Yeah. I respect Korean mm-hmm. culture, but I've got say this is in the middle of brazil i that that should blow our mind (laughs) continuously yeah sao paulo has a large asian population by the way especially the chinese population yeah but respecting korean culture maybe it's just as important don't you think (laughs) (laughs) anyway erica welcome back and thank you for today's update see you tomorrow if you're listening to our program using the podcast service just a reminder that we do go live monday through friday 7 a.m korea standard time So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.